Before this week's episode, I'd just like to offer a note on why we are considering this text sacred. So a text is sacred if it meets three tenets, the tenets of faith, rigor, and community. Faith that the more time we spend with the text, the more gifts it will give us. Rigor, that by using a sacred practice, we can read the text more closely and create deeper understanding. And community, that when we read in community, we know there will be different perspectives and that the text can be seen in different ways. And this will allow us to see others' perspectives and check our own initial biases. We believe that many professional education texts are therefore sacred, as are many works of fiction, depending upon how you read them. And we'd love for you to join us on this journey. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Good afternoon, and welcome to our second episode of SeaTech Podcast, Teach Like a Pirate. I am Nicole Huff, media specialist, and with me is... I'm Sylvia Ellison, the writing coach, and today we're talking about the I and pirate, which Dave Burgess calls immersion. Um, I think it's interesting to talk about this one right after passion, because passion talks about what I have, but immersion is more like what I do. And yeah. so he, disgui- he discusses it through the lens of um, a metaphor dealing with water, basically. It's the difference between focus and immersion. But I like your point there that passion is um, a mindset and immersion mm. is an action. Oh, yeah. That's kind of cool. <laughs> so uh, his, in, on page 14 of the book, he gives us the definition. It says, immersion is your ability to completely give yourself up to the moment and fully be, and be is emphasized there, to be with your students is an awesome and unmistakably powerful t- technique. I like the analogy here with the the idea of the lifeguard versus the swim coach mm-hmm. or the, um, and yeah, the I, swim coach. And I don't think that you get to immersion unless you are passionate about the people in the room and what's going on. So right. I like this in this order. And yes, he it was a swim teacher. There was the, the teacher who was on the side versus the teacher who was in the water with the kids. Right. So the lifeguard was another analogy. But the, yes, you're right. He said his son had these two different coaches. One stood on the sideline and coached uh, from the sideline. And mm-hmm. then one got in the water with him and held his head to demonstrate how much movement needed. And Kick your feet like this. Correct. Let me move your feet and show you. And yeah. he said his son learned more on two Thursdays than he did on any of the Tuesdays put together. Right. And and I think he follows that even because I'm not saying that all, you know, the top of the line coaches have to be in the water. Right. Um, he which said I think, it's a first run. Correct. A first instruction yes. in something is when you need that kind of We are of so like-minded today. <laughs> so which led to our quote, right? So on page 15, um, for our Lecto Divina yes. study, um, we both, <laughs> interesting enough, found the same quote when we were reading independently. And it says, I'm suggesting that when delivering first instruction, especially to struggling learners, you need to leave the comfort of the lounge chair or lifeguard tower and jump into the water with your students. And I think it's important that he notes that this is our first instruction mm-hmm. and or our instruction to struggling learners. Because I think that are there times when, 
an Olympic type coach needs to stand on the sideline and coach from the sideline, sure. But that's Olympics. You right. know, those are kids who already have the basic skills. They just need somebody to stand on the side and really kind of get a big picture mm-hmm. and then dive in and, you know, sure. that in and out kind of thing. It's when you are not, it's when the skill is not yet mastered. Mm-hmm. If the skill just needs a little tweaking, then coaching from the side works. Correct. And you need to let kids struggle and be independent at that point. But if this is something that is brand new to a kid, and if this is something that a kid has a lot of difficulty with, right. then that kid needs somebody present with them in that moment, showing them exactly how to make them successful at that skill. Correct. And here's the cool thing about this. I know that probably later in the book, he's going to give us more specific examples. Mm-hmm. But right now, this is just theory still. Right. So what does immersion in a classroom look like and I think that's what we need to talk about today yes so literally we discussed our first step in Lectio Divina that what he meant by immersion the definition was on the previous page Um, he means that you have to be in there be present in the moment um, doing it with them but when we look at step two of what it means to us in our classrooms in the world so um, we both have examples of immersion in our own classrooms right and um there are a lot of examples of it in the text he talks about the video he does we like we like watching a video we're going to watch it whether you were with us or not yeah but you know but mr burgess we like it because you stop and you react Mm -hmm. you watch it with us right which i think leads you know that that next um protocol that we're going to use the Mm -hmm. marginalia Mm -hmm. Um, it would be like that to me. It's like I'm reading your margin notes, so I'm actually reading your thinking. Yes. Right? So to me, immersion could be like that. Like I'm I'm thinking with my students. In and the my moment. students see my thinking. Right. Because I've made it out loud and visible. Yes, I do see immersion like that. Of come be in this with right. me. And let me let me show you how, I, how it works for me. So in my own classroom... Um, there's a Kagan structure that I love, um, and a lot of people use it and adapt it in many ways, and it's not just exclusively Kagan, um, but it's a two truths and a lie with content. Mm-hmm. And I was exposed to it with content through Kagan Cooperative Learning, which is why I give them credit. So what, you're ha- what I have kids do is... Um, Each student in a small group of four is responsible for creating a question with um, answers. One right answer and usually just two, in this case, wrong answers because it's two truths and one lie. Um, I do handpick the topics so that kids don't get topics that they are struggling with monumentally when they're selecting and creating their own questions. They would listen and answer questions on things they might struggle with, but they create questions on topics they're more comfortable with. So that um, I walk around as the teacher as they're creating the questions and kind of kneel down and read over their shoulder and talk to them about where their questions are uh, engaging and excellent, where their distractors are, where their distractors are powerful versus where their distractors are really more splitting hairs. Mm. Um, 
you know, because we don't want to go back to just memorization of facts. That's not right. the point here. And the difference between a distractor and a trick question. Right. Let's be fair to the Correct. other kids in your group. Which so, also requires more thinking. Yes. So we have those individual conversations. And then kids get to play true to, two truths and a lie. And uh, when it is a, a student, when it's student one's turn student one says here's my question and here are my answer choices and every other kid in the group votes and then they discuss and come to consensus on which statement is the true statement or is the lie whichever way it's worked right um which statement is right if the person who created the question fools the students who are in his or her group those students have to clap for the person who created the question. Okay. If one of the students or or the all of the students in consensus get the question right, then the person who created the question does some form of other celebration. Hey, great job. Woohoo. I'm going to give you a cheer whatever they're comfortable with as long as it does not involve clapping. Why why is that? Yeah, that distinction is actually really important. It's how I can use immersion. Um, if I hear clapping, I go dive in the pool. Oh. I am a lifeguard on the side in this where I'm walking around and listening and observing and watching kids as they ask and answer these questions. But when there is clapping, there is a whole group that got something wrong. So I go to that group, I kneel down, and I ask what the question was, and I ask what the right answer was, and what answer they picked, and we talk it through and have this reteaching moment where I am teaching that group again, and I'm immersed with that group. And the rest of them are fine because I don't hear any clapping. And if I hear clapping, then I know that that's where I'm going next, and I'm going to immerse myself in that group. I love this idea because it, it's almost a classroom management issue as well, because it gives you a signal as to where you need to go. Oh, mm-hmm. It's like assessment. It's assessment learning. It is. We <laughs> teach. Um, it's interesting. I took the immersion piece is when you were actually just even walking around the room. So when I read this chapter, I was thinking about as a writing coach, how do we um, give feedback to kids in writing and actually change their writing process? And to me, that's me not sitting at my desk doing something else while they're writing. Mm-hmm. But it's me walking around and reading over their shoulders and mm-hmm. saying, hey, do you mind if I look at this real quick? And then giving them that in-the-moment feedback that while they're thinking about it, just like that swim coach, yeah. she's in the water. and She's like, hey, when you swim, your head's got to come up further so you can take a, a deeper breath or mm-hmm. your stroke has to do this, right? And to me, I think that's what as teachers teaching content or teaching a skill such as writing, we got to be in the, in the seats with them, in the rows, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where it ties to like uh, tools for teaching by Dr. Fred Jones. You have to have boulevards. You have to have access to every kid's table because oh, yeah. if you don't have access to the student access table, then you can't immerse yourself. So this and one, they're a lot more likely to yes. not immerse themselves in your lesson, right? If you don't have access to them. So I think that's interesting that you know passion started with a mindset, like you said. I love mm-hmm. that. That it's how we think about our content, about our profession, about our person. But immersion is what we do with it. It's the mm-hmm. action. But we can't just. It can't be just the policies, the procedures, the techniques, or the structures. It's even got to be how our physical space is, is developed. Mm-hmm. That swim coach can't get in the pool if there's fifty kids squished together. Right. Right. There had to be a space, a lane designated to this one student. Mm -hmm. 
we don't have 50 lanes in our classrooms, but we do have ways that we can organize that physical space so that we could have more space to get with our students. So I think our call to action then is how, uh, is led by the question, how do we immerse ourselves in our classroom? Mm-hmm. Um, in what ways can I look at the times that I am in front of the room or on the side of the room and try to find ways to get myself in the room? Right. And I think that in order to do that, it's not just about time and planning, although that's important. I think it's about mm-hmm. how do you arrange your physical space. Yeah. I mean, the room that we're in right now has groups of desks. You could walk to each one of them. Correct. And I don't think that it's important that we keep our kids in groups all year long, but I think it's important to recognize that there are times when we need rows and there's times when we need groups and there's times when we need pairs. Different learning requires different ways of processing information. Right. And I think the more that we can, the more that we can view, uh, maybe the more that we can plan our physical space Mm -hmm. as part of our lesson might help teachers immerse themselves more. You know what would be interesting? Um, if you're not on summer or when you go back, it might even be interesting to kind of chart for yourself times. How much time did I spend standing up at the board? How much time did I spend at my computer with recording the attendance and, and whatnot? How much time did I spend walking around? How much time did I spend knelt down at one desk, one group, one blah, blah. That'd and, be a great... And then my, my call-to-action is, after I know my times, I, I create a goal of getting myself oh. more walking around and more kneeling down. And that's something you don't even have to do for yourself because that's hard to do in the moment. But you have a buddy. You yeah, have we a do teacher have... to come over and say, hey, on your conference period, can you do this for me? Mm-hmm. And then I'll do something for you, you know, kind of trade off. Or if you have a coach at your school, like mm-hmm. I would love to come in, well, that would especially be awesome while kids are writing. Can I, can I track your movements? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a coaching cycle. Or a mentor. A, right. I did a coaching cycle with a teacher this past year, and she wanted to know how effective her feedback was. Mm-hmm. So what I was able to do was track how, what, where she went. And after every, after every kid that she went to, I went, I went up to him, do you mind if I ask you questions? Um, what feedback did she give you? Mm-hmm. Um, did it help you? How and why? And every one of them said her feedback was excellent. And that's what I liked about your immersion story to go back to, right. to that is that you said if you are reading over the, their shoulders and giving them the feedback right then, you know, so often if we are giving them great feedback because we're spending hours grading their writing and writing all these comments in the side. When we give it back to them, it has inevitably been quite a while if we spend a lot of time with it. And they look at it and look at the grade on top and that there's a lot of writing and throw it away or put it in the binder. And they don't learn from the feedback that we spent forever putting on there because it's too long removed. And that's a conversation we could have on a whole other book. We could probably write the book on that one. Yeah, but if this one, you're immersed in it. And so you can say... I love your claim. It's a great statement. And I even like this quote of evidence for it. That's, um, that's great evidence. But honey, I don't see your voice. Where's your commentary yes. where you explain and connect these two for me? That's what yes. I'm missing. Can you help me with that? And if you're doing it in the moment, they're willing to go back and do it. Right, because they know what they were thinking in that moment. Yeah. So I think immersion... And, and they're not and, five pages later now. Correct. And as a teacher, that immersion now gives me better feedback. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment, I can figure out what that kid was thinking. Tell me why you did this here. 
And the kid goes, oh, well, I was doing this. But if I waited till the next day to sit down and say, why did you do this? I don't know what I was doing. He thinking. didn't remember. So I think immersion is, is such an important action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would think as a call to action, your plan could be, I'm going to get with my, my teacher buddy or my mentor or my coach. Or a video camera if necessary, Correct. though I hate watching myself. <laughs> exactly. And see how much have I immersed myself and mm-hmm. how much I haven't. Um, it would be also neat to to be able to see the difference. So if I wasn't sure how well I was doing, I might have one class where nobody comes and observes me and I just kind of... Try it out. But I don't try it out well because I can't. But then I come in and I have a teacher because I'm doing all the work. So I'm only like half immersing myself because mm-hmm. I have to document what I just did. But then I have somebody else who comes in I can do- and I can immerse myself more and have them document. And then I can look at the results of the student's writing or the results of their work. It would be an... You would, you're right. You would need somebody else to do this with you or a video camera to do it later. Yeah. And I think, in, and I think truly in the moment, if you have somebody in the room, it's That's easier better. than a video camera because. Oh yeah. You have to go back and analyze the video. It would time. be much better to do it with right. a coach. Yeah. And then that person could even say, Hey, I noticed that you've spent three minutes with that kid. You need to get around more or right. spend five minutes in that corner. That immersion is great, but you got all these other kids too. Right. I <laughs> Make just think, sure they I get just think the idea um, is so powerful. So call to action. If you want to, um, this is a great way for you to set a goal for yourself and record it to us and send it to our Gmail account, mm-hmm. uh, at gmail.com or to place a comment on Podbean if you're interested. Um, remember, if you just want to do this for professional learning, go out and conquer the world. Um, if you want the in-service credit, um, Make sure that you listen to the ways that you can respond and get that information back to us. Um, our next recording will be on rapport. So it yes. looks like we're moving into not only how we think about our mo- ourselves and the actions we take, but now the how people does- we have our actions with. Yes. So, and before we get to that, so um, we will have this on Podbean for comments, but also on Twitter, you could participate in our Twitter slow chat with our hashtag of CTech podcasts. Um, this week, if you cannot, if you're on summer vacation right now, so that this call to action is something you could do in August. Right now, let's think about what you could do or say. Right. Right now, what you could do or say is think about the last time you had conferences with students, um, feedback in the moment on any topic or subject. It may have been in the middle of a science lab where you stopped at an experiment and gave feedback in the moment. But I want you to reflect on the feedback that you gave in the moment in an immersion fashion and how that changed a kid's learning. And on the flip side, maybe you didn't do it, and you think, man, <laughs> if, I had, <laughs> if I had done it, how would, how might it have changed and rocked their world, right? Yes. So thank you for joining us on this journey, and we will look forward to hearing your voice. And, and seeing your comments, exactly. and you listening to us next week.